Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Okay, let's see. Hi, everyone. So I wanted to share this teaching tonight that's been uh, really powerful for me uh, in my own practice. And uh, as my dad said, it comes from a teacher named Nyosho Kempo, who is my personal Dharma hero, actually. So I thought before I would go into the actual teaching, I wanted to tell you a little bit about this man, so you could just have a sense of where the teaching was coming from. So Nosho Kempo, um, he passed away in the, I believe, the early 90s. And he was one of the, um, really one of the great teachers of this last century from the Tibetan tradition. <coughs> and in particular, he, um, his specialty was teaching these teachings, the Dzogchen teachings. And um, the translation of Dzogchen in English uh, means the great perfection or natural great perfection. And it's a sense that when we're inhabiting our deepest self or our Buddha nature and we're seeing through this lens of the world, then life is wonderful, and life is workable. And we can experience a sense of happiness and lightness and joy that actually has nothing to do with our outer circumstances or how, you know, how much money we have or whatever the changing causes and conditions are. And the thing that really inspires me about Nosho Kempo, you know, he was trained, he got a traditional training in a, in a monastery from a very early age. You know, through the course of his life, spent about 12 years, I think, in retreat. So did a lot of retreat practice. <laughs> but he didn't stop there. He was really, he had come to this place of peace and confidence in experience and confidence in life, such that he wanted to go a little bit further. So... What he did is at some point in time, he took off his robes and he, um, he had fled from Tibet and he came to India. And he just took this practice of wandering. And he would wander, if you read the book, Natural Great Perfection, the first 25 pages are his autobiography, which are really, I think, quite amazing and quite inspiring. I feel a little choked up just... He would wander. He would. He, there's some passages in there. I don't have the book with me, but he would say, "You know, sometimes I was penniless in the streets, and I." He would. He would wrap. I would wrap up myself in orange sari wraps like the Hindus, and sometimes I'd go hungry, and other times I would be celebrated, 
and I would be on a throne giving an empowerment, a, a tantric empowerment to 300 monks. Isn't, isn't life amazing? So many ups and downs, so many miracles. And he lived this way. Like he actually did this practice of trust. He, he actually trusted life so fully and so deeply that he was just willing to let go of trying to be better or trying to be someone else. He just kind of surrendered himself fully and completely to the mystery and the magic of the universe. So um, these are, this is his kind of pith teaching. This is, you know, in the tradition of Dzogchen, there's um, one of the kind of the main practices is separating, well, what is the ego mind or what is our kind of more ordinary neurotic mind and what is our true nature? What is our basic enlightened, what is the enlightened state? What is our beingness as a human being? Because until we can make that distinction, we're kind of doing our best to, to do well. You know? and, and, and we can only do as good as we can do. But once we start to notice, well, this is, this is my beingness as a human being, then we can start to train in the recognition of the experience of this natural awareness. So... Um, he has four, these are the four faults of natural awareness, which is kind of the ironic, the ironic piece. The first fault of natural awareness it's so close you can't see it. So, from this point of view, Oftentimes in meditation, we're looking, we're focusing our attention on the breath, or we're focusing our attention on um, some object in the environment. But this teaching says that actually as soon as we're paying attention to something, then we're over here, and the object is over there, and there's a kind of just subtle searching for something. And so, um, and by the way, and these are just my kind of interpretations. So this is just how I understand it, and I offer it to you. Um, it's been really helpful for me, and so um, take what you want, and what's not helpful, let it go. So the idea, I, I love this idea. There's the tradition of Dzogchen, they call it non-meditation undistracted non-meditation. So we can practice it right now. In this very moment, just try this. Just let your senses, don't do anything in particular. Just let your senses be open to all of the streams of experience that are going on. Looking, hearing, vibration. And see if you can just rest evenly 
instead of looking for something, I want to invite you to lean back just a tiny bit. Like, just energetically feel your backside. If you want to, Nosho Kempo does this thing. He lifts his hands. And he just, you can try it with me. Just lift your hands. And then on the exhale, take a nice breath in. And then exhale. Just let it fall. And let your eyes be open. Let your mouth be open. Just kind of just fall back. And maybe there's just one moment where you're not doing anything and life is happening. And in the gap there, there's no problem. See if you can feel that. And as soon as you're trying to make no problem, just let the meditation go. Just destroy the meditation. Stop meditating. So this is the sense that we're just undistracted. We're not somewhere else. And then we're just allowing whatever is present to the freshness, this quality of freshness, naturalness, spaciousness. Just let everything be open. And without manipulating anything, there's a quality of just resting and relaxing in the flow of breath, in the flow of sensation, and just letting everything happen by itself. And then you'll notice that something takes your attention away. There's some sound, there's some thought, there's some something that grabs your attention. And in that moment, we're, we've lost the open state, and we're in the trance of that sensory experience. So in that moment, there's just like this very subtle intending, or not so subtle, maybe it's a really powerful state. Really powerful, pleasant, really powerful, unpleasant. So this is the first fault. It's so close you can't see it. It's kind of like we're fish, and we're looking for water. If we're meditators, we're looking for awareness. And we're just in an ocean of experience. We're in an ocean of awareness. So this, this first one is basically, in, in my understanding, it's kind of like we can stop looking for something. What do you think, Dad? <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll, get the, we'll get the commentary, the master, the guru's commentary after this. 
So the second fault, the first one is it's so, so close you can't see it. The second one is it's so simple you can't believe it. I love this one. This is my favorite of the four. And the quality here is that we are, I think in our culture, we're so high-strung, we're so wound tightly. We have so much tension that we just feel like meditation is this hard thing. And, you know, from the point of view of being in a body that's uncomfortable, that's wound up tightly, you know, that's our experience. I know that experience really well. So what we're learning in this practice is we're learning to trust that relaxation and that quality of just like like we did earlier, just letting everything drop and being present is enough. In, in the teachings, the, the tradition of Sokchen is called the, teach, the path of effortless enlightenment. So there's a quality of no effort. As soon as we're efforting, then we're trying to be somewhere else. And we're just doing this practice. Oftentimes the, kind of the metaphor is resting. And there's the quality of just resting Resting in the flow of the river of nowness. Of nowness. nowness. Resting in nowness. Just wading back. But I think that there's one piece that I want to share um, because it's not included in the teachings. Um, There is a sense in this work that where are we? Where are we resting? If we're not going to be resting in our thinking, if we're not going to be controlling with our thinking, where are we resting? And in the tradition, really what we're doing is we're learning how to rest in our body. We're learning how to relax profoundly into our body. And the way that we do that, oftentimes, I don't think it's talked about so much, there's this channel, the central channel, and it goes up and down in our spine. And most of the time we have so much tension that it's, the channel's blocked, it's kind of clogged. And so oftentimes there's these preliminary yoga practices where we're clearing out this channel, we're clearing out the chakras, we're clearing out kind of this hollow tube. And when we do that, and the breath can flow along the central channel, there's a sense of spaciousness. Like right now, if you want to, you can try just sitting up a little bit straighter. And this is a key. So there's kind of a sense that your, your crown is lifting, your, your chin is tucking. And the key is that your, the back of your neck is long. So as soon as your neck goes out, kind of the hose is kinked. See if you can feel this this sense of openness along your spine. Just rest your attention back into your spine. 
And as you breathe, see if you can feel there's kind of a space along the spine. There's kind of an openness. So if we rest in the body, there's a sense that we can relax back into the back of our, the back third of our body. You know, like you're on vacation in some way. And just enough attention to be present. Not more than that. And as you're here, the sense that life is coming to you, you don't have to go anywhere to get something. And there's also a sense that as we breathe through the central channel, the breath comes through the very root, through the pelvic floor. The energy of the earth can come in through the ground or through the pelvic floor. And this whole channel, as we breathe, as we intend into being here, starts to open up. So I wish that we could go further into this topic. It's one of my favorite topics, working with the central channel. But um, that's something you can explore on your own. So there's this sense of being present in the body and then allowing ourselves to relax as a field of space. That's another piece is that our body then is, it's so simple, we're just finding a posture that feels good, that feels relaxed, and by fully inhabiting the posture, there's no room for thinking. If we fully and completely inhabit this awake posture, there's like there's no extra room for thinking. Thinking is an afterthought. And that's the simple. It's just that that much. Okay, next point, third point. Number one, it's so close you can't see it. Number two, it's so simple you can't believe it. Number three, it's so deep you, you, it's so deep you can't fathom it. And the point here is just that awareness is not a thinking experience. Awareness Awareness is what's happening, and then we're thinking on top of that. We are analyzing our experience. So awareness, uh, like a, a frame that the tradition talks about, it's like we hold up a mirror, and whatever our experience is, awareness is that which is knowing the experience. And basically, we have no clue what will happen if we just stay in that open state without thinking, in the gap between thinking. We have to let go of being a somebody in that moment.
So in this work, the kind of the big leap is um, just into the freshness of this moment. We kind of get in the trance of what happened or what will happen. And what is it to just open into the fullness of our embodied experience and be present and see what happens? That's the third point. And if, if we do, we don't know what's going to happen because it's never happened before. So my teacher, Reggie, uh, I have a teacher named Reggie Ray, and his main thing, he says it over and over and over again, the teaching is just trust your experience. Whatever this thread of your experience is, it's that piece. Following where the aliveness is, where the freshness is. The fourth point of natural awareness. The fourth point is that awareness is so good that we can't accept it. And this one is kind of an anomaly. This one kind of, I'm not sure I fully understand yet. But the sense here is that awareness, one of the things that I'm connecting with is this sense that awareness, when we're in a state of awareness, nothing sticks to awareness. So whether we're having good thoughts or bad thoughts or a good experience or a horrible experience. It's all experience. Our mind wants to say, uh, I like this. I like this. More of this, please. But that's not, that's not the nature of awareness. The awareness state is just present. It's just presence with what's happening. And as we're embodying more and more of this space, this openness. The teachings say that all of our good qualities arise out of this ground as we let our thinking go and we can inhabit our body. Then we're, there's this quality of openness and there's this quality of presence that just feels good. I think I want to actually just open up the space and just see what's present and maybe we can have a dialogue. So I really um, resonate with what you're you're saying and what you're communicating. Um, If you've have been coming here and here when I give instructions sometimes at the beginning I I say um, to um, notice what's happening now and to um, let it be how it is and to open to it with a relaxed interested and kind awareness mm. and and um, Relaxation is 
is the key um, because we, most of us try to make something happen or achieve or be a good meditator or have some kind of idea of, of some experience what was supposed to happen and if you can just let go of that trying um, then the moment is here however the other side of that which I'd be interested in if you have some thoughts is that uh, as perhaps you've seen if you're just so relaxed and laid back well, if I'm mindful, I'm mindful. If I'm not, I'm not. Whatever, you know. It's not so easy to be here. Um, and when people go on retreats at Spirit Rock, for instance, it takes about three days for most people keeping on bringing your attention back in a very kind, loving, non-judgmental way as one of your teachers, Trungpa Rinpoche, uh, talks about it as manual labor, mm. you know, bringing your attention back and back before you start to really land and have moments of mindfulness strung together. Um, so it does take effort. In one of the one of the eightfold path links is right effort or wise effort and yet um, it takes effort to be here to land here but once you're here any kind of effort is extra and there's the paradox like you're these are, are really you know, profound teachings Dzogchen teachings um, is a, 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 um, a teaching I love by Gendon Rinpoche uh, where he says, happiness cannot be found through great effort or willpower, but is already here in relaxation and letting go. But that's what you hear after you've done some preliminary practices, mm. including 100,000 prostrations. We, we skipped those two. <laughs> <laughs> These are the preliminary practices. 100,000 mantra recitations, 100,000 visualizations. and You're working really hard. And then they say, just relax. <laughs> so what's the, um, uh, th- there's the paradox of mm of putting in that you're going to be going and practicing for 6 to 12 months in Tashijang or wherever and really putting your heart into it, that's a lot of intention and effort so you can learn to just let go and relax. <laughs> so uh, any, any comments you, you have? me right in the side here. <laughs> With yeah, a lot of love, you yeah, know that. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Uh, I think it's. I think it's actually a really good point, and I'm. I'm glad you brought it up. But, nonetheless, 
So, um, you know, in the tradition, in the Vajrayana tradition, the Tibetan tradition, there's different schools of practice. And in particular, I've spent a little bit of time studying in the, the Kagyu school, and then there's another school, the Nyingma school. And this, uh, this teaching, the Dzogchen teachings, are from the, the Nyingma school. And the Kagyu school, the, the, each school, kind of like in Harry Potter, each school kind of has their own character, their own style. And some people really resonate with the Nyingma school and others, you know, for myself, the Nyingma teachings, the Dzogchen teachings have this quality of everything's easy. Everything is, um, everything is abiding in perfection all the time. And, but from where we're at, we can't see that. So the Dzogchen teachings in the Tibetan uh, tradition, it's the top, they're also called, the, is also called Maha Ati. And Ati means the peak of the mountain. Like if you climb Mount Everest, it's the view that you get from the very top of the mountain. And, um, you know, the other school, the Kagyu school, is more the practice your butt off school. So you have characters like Milarepa who is building tremendous towers and trying to burn off his karma and all of Pema Chodron calls the Kagyu school the mishap lineage. So there's all these kind of crazy characters and they're very odd, they're oddball characters and they're just getting whittled away all of their karma. So it's true that these teachings, the teaching on natural awareness is uh, this whole piece, the second truth, it's so simple you can't believe it. Well, uh, Trungpa Rinpoche, he says that it's the highest state of simplicity. Because it's so simple, it is the hardest state. It's the most difficult, that kind of simplicity. But at the same time, we, we're swimming in awareness all the time. And so I... I like this. I like talking about this teaching because it's the sense that in any moment, as much as a teaching to do while you're meditating, I think that there's a value in um, stilling your mind. I think there's a value in following the breath. I think there's a value in so many different practices. But there's some quality of, I think more than anything, the attitude. There's a kind of attitude that it's so simple you can't believe it. And that actually, um, we might not be in a very stable place of recognizing that simple awareness. But just for a moment, just for a moment, we can notice, oh, there's a gap between thinking. And in that gap is freedom. And that moment, we can't make that moment happen. But if we know that that's a good place to be, then it could happen any time. And to the, to the degree that we could just recognize, ah, this is the natural state, then we're really doing something very powerful, I think, in that moment. But it, it, it requires some... Undistracted. And it requires real intention and... Cultivation, like there's a, the famous uh, 
uh, Zen master Shanul who, who says, sudden awakening mm-hmm. and gradual cultivation. Yeah. Where you can get a glimpse and see, oh, there was nothing to do. It was all here all along. And my wanting and doing was just getting in the way. And it can be a profound shift in perspective. But even having had that glimpse to stabilize that that glimpse so that that's a place that you're actually abiding in or mm-hmm. living in, this takes tremendous dedication. And, I agree. And also, even to have that glimpse often comes after those kinds of preliminary practices or doing a retreat, you know, say sitting and walking up at Spirit Rock for days and days, and then in a moment, oh, there was nothing to do. It was here all along. But that, that preparation created the spaciousness to see what's been here all along. And so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not debating or arguing one way or another. I, the way I see it is they, they complement each other. They're absolutely, they're both, they're both necessary. Right effort is necessary, and then letting go is, is completely necessary. I know people who've done lots and lots of retreats over years and there's a subtle striving to their practice, and mm-hmm. it gets in the way. But I also know the other side, too. So it's a, there's a kind of, I think, maturing in, in where you're, you're recognizing the, the value that one informs the, the other. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so, so as I was saying before, it takes effort to get here, but once you're here, any effort is extra. And then you just more and more are learning to trust and, and relax. And for me, interest is the key, because interest, you're not trying to be here for the moment. You're just curious. You just want to be here because... Why not? This is a moment of your life that's never been here before. Why, why not be here for it? So if you're interested, you're not trying hard. It's not a, it's not a, a contracted state. It's just a connected state. Um, so, You know, the piece that I, I do want to share that is meaningful for me is just the sense that there's so many times when we're doing stuff that we love that we really can give our when you when we give our heart to something whether it's dance or an art form or just whatever you're passionate about there's that total involvement and in the total involvement you know people I I go to the rock gym and I see people that are just so fully there so fully present in that and people love, we love to be fully involved. And in that full involvement, in my experience, this is when this 
natural awareness comes through. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're not around. There's no yeah. Right. Yeah. And that that that's when you're not around trying to do it or what the concept of flow when you're completely just being used by life when you're not around. No. Yeah. So so maybe to mention just the sense the the kind of quality here is like full involvement. There is a full involvement which I think that you're um, really articulating this sense of yeah we have to be present. We have to be present. And then once we're in presence trusting that presence as it is, is um, a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a, a teaching that I've sometimes shared here. I love from uh, the Theravadan master, Ajahn Buddhadasa. And he has this great essay. It's called Nibbana for Everyone. Um, you can look it up, Google it. And he says... Um, it's, it's the Theravadan version of, of what you're saying that so many times people are looking for nibbana and or nirvana or nibbana, same thing, and working hard or thinking, oh, maybe 20 lifetimes from now I'll mm-hmm. experience it. But he says that we're experiencing it much more frequently than we realize. We just miss it. You know, those moments where you're just lying in a meadow and completely um, connected to, to life or there's, there's just an ease and a relaxation. He says, if we didn't have those moments, we'd go crazy. Uh, but actually, our doing is interrupted uh, from time to time by just a, a natural being that's there. But we just miss it. Because it's so um, under the radar, it's like, you know. You know the times when when you're just you don't know where you've been, but you've you haven't been around for uh, for a little while. Not not just that you're spacing out, but just that you're not engaged and you're just completely resting and relaxing it's something i'm sure we all know the, that's he says this is like a mini nibbana but we just miss it and we think we have to try hard to have that peace so it doesn't matter if it's theravadan or vajrayana or uh, uh, mahayana it's you know mm-hmm. in that silent mind or peaceful mind mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what yana it is. It's like there's a there's a famous uh, yana means vehicle. The great, the lesser vehicle, the greater vehicle, the supreme vehicle. This one guy who said uh, lesser lesser vehicle is what sometimes Theravadan is called or hinayana. Theravada. He says lesser vehicle, greater vehicle, supreme vehicle. All vehicles will be towed at owner's expense. That it doesn't matter what vehicle you're calling it in this silent mind or in that peaceful mind. Peace is peace, so, um, and it's something that we're familiar with, but we we miss. So anyway, maybe we any comments, questions, anything.
So, can you hear me? Yeah, right um, so what you've been saying is absolutely resonates with me, um, and I feel like um, when I'm here, when I'm meditating, when I'm in those, I, I, I can feel those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess my question is how... The, the struggle is more how to bring those moments or bring that quality into the everyday and into really the rest because those are fleeting mm-hmm. and those are so few. But, but the struggle is in the rest and, and I look for the ways to access it on a day-to-day, daily, minute-by-minute <laughs> basis. That is the question, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, and, and this is kind of why that what you're talking about is sort of the spirit that I thought of this topic in the beginning was this second one. It's so simple we can't believe it. This quality of um, being present, being in presence, or knowing what's happening, and allowing our experience. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, and, and with that, like, I think one of the things that comes up most for me is the sense of doubt. The sense of doubt, like, is this it? Is this it? And um, you know, it's really strong. And so, like, this quality of also having confidence that our experience. Uh, that there's wisdom in our experience has been has been a helpful piece for me. Like uh, this this experience that I'm having, you know, when I don't when I don't judge it, then it's okay. I don't know if you know. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's the key question, and there are some pointers that you can experiment with. For, for me, um, very similar to that, that teaching of, of openness is um, in the Theravadan, in, in the Buddha's teaching, he talks about unwholesome states and wholesome states. Unwholesome states, akusala, are greed, hatred, delusion, fear, judgment, all of those, envy, jealousy, etc., etc. And all of those are states of contraction. The body is contracted, the mind is contracted and agitated, the heart is contracted. This is a state of suffering. The, the mind, the thoughts are coming through with a finger wag, you better not blow it, and, and there's a kind of agitation in there. All the wholesome states, kusala, love, kindness, patience, generosity, compassion, equanimity, all of these many wholesome states are states of expansion. When you're feeling generous or you're feeling grateful, there's, or you're feeling loving, you know, even just hearing those words, you probably, you know, they trigger off a kind of, you know, oh, gratitude, oh, generosity. There's an openness 
in the body and in the mind and in the heart. So one way that you can just experiment in your practice, it's a big part of my practice, is just seeing, is there contraction here? So it's the physicality of it that you're saying. The, the physicality. Come, come back in yeah. touch with your body. Just notice, is the body tight? And not not to judge it, then you just get tighter. But to hold it, or to relax, or so, or to you know breathe. And Adam is a is a body worker and a, is somatic. Uh, that's his field. Uh, so feeling in the body, and is there a way to either relax or hold this tightness with a kind, tender heart, or is the mind contracted? And if so. What thought am I believing that is creating some tension? And is there another way to hold it? And if you did nothing else than just see, is there contraction? And if there is to just relax and, and open, that's a, one good clue to keep focusing on. Um, and and here's here's the thing that I find so important. Instead of trying to open up and have your heart just you know shine through a million uh, million suns dazzling through any movement from from a tightness even the slightest movement in the direction of opening the slightest just even the one even the movement that says oh you're having a hard time dear just even that Oh, this is really hard. Oh, let's be kind. The slightest movement movement in the direction of softening or opening is all that's needed. And then you pay attention to that movement and let yourself really um, enjoy it. And that starts to open and lead to whatever it can, it will lead to. So that's just one. Thank you. Um, I've been sitting with James for a long time, so living in the Theravada tradition, and so I'm sort of working with this in a Theravada translation, I suppose, in a sense. And it reminds me of uh, James 12 years ago or something, I did your beginning class, and um, I don't remember, second, third, fourth week, maybe you talk about the hindrances. Uh, there's, a, I think, the whole the whole evening on the hindrances, probably. And it's, and it, it just, it's sounding like this whole night, in a sense, is about wending your way through the hindrances. Um, you know, the, the first two are wanting to hang on to things or wanting to push things away. And so, just um, letting the moment just be the moment is kind of don't push things away, don't hang on to things, just wend your way, balance between the 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 the, the, the middle narrow path between grabbing and pushing away. Um, and uh, you talked also about um, uh, you know restlessness and worry or. Um, or uh, sloth and torpor, and you talk, James, in the response to say, in the in the midst of all of this, just resting. It's not a resting and going asleep. It's a resting and 
sort of in that, again, that balance between the second hindrances. And then doubt has been talked about here and trust has been talked about here also, the fifth of the hindrances. So really this is kind of, in a sense, a, um, what, a, a different map of the same territory. Mm. And, and, and the, the thing about the hindrances, as the Buddha says, it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the places to be mindful, not to get rid of, so to speak, because if you say, how do I get rid of this hindrance, then you're just in aversion. But rather to simply notice, and in the moment that you're noticing the grasping or the aversion, you're not feeding it. So... That's the beauty. You don't have to get rid of anything. Just notice it without feeding it, and here you are. And, and when, you, when you start to get into that centered place, then all you need to look, look for, another variation of the contraction, is noticing the movement of mind towards or away from anything, including, and here's wanting in the mind, Okay, I don't have to move away from it. I don't have to be engulfed by it. I just notice it. Oh, and here's wanting in the mind. Ah, because the awareness, like Adam was saying, is a, a line that that uh, that uh, we both love. Awareness doesn't care what it's noticing. So that that's the beauty. Awareness isn't touched by any of that. There's a kind of one of the Dzogchen spins on the five hindrances is that the energy um, of each hindrance relates to, uh, in the teachings, the five Buddha families. And so each kind of neurotic state, um, aversion, desire, has a wisdom quality. And so... Like, for example, if you're in a state of uh, wanting or passion for something, there's an object of passion. I really want some ice cream. And I feel that kind of warmth. Like, yeah, there's a kind of burning for ice cream. I'm thinking about that as I'm meditating. So then there's a really kind of a strong experience. There's an energy in that state. And what the teaching here is then is we kind of get sucked into the object and we can miss the background. We can get sucked into the foreground, and we miss the spaciousness around that, the whole struggle. And so there's a piece that, if we can feel the space around our experience, then that kind of passion for the ice cream, in this case, is like, uh, it's very vivid. It's very kind of, uh, it's very colorful. And so our awareness in that moment becomes colorful. And if we can, if we can open our uh, field big enough, then there's a quality that that's not a problem. That that uh, kind of passionate experience for that thing, um, we don't have to abandon it, or we don't have to push it away. We're just looking into the awareness that's knowing the passion. So you're saying that within the hindrance, there's some enlightened energy if you're not focused on the object, that it's just aliveness or clarity or whatever, so that that in itself isn't, isn't a problem or an obstacle. It's just 
freeing up the energy from focusing on the object. Mm-hmm. It's just the sense that all of it is workable within the context of that open field of presence. Presence is present to experience. And so when, we're, when we are recognizing that open, that open intelligence of presence itself, presence is not entangled. We are entangled. Adam Barris is entangled in wanting some ice cream. But that which is knowing, it's kind of like, I like this uh, frame, like in a movie theater, there's the film reel and there's the light bulb and it's projecting onto the screen. And where we get, we're looking at the screen, but we're not looking at the light bulb. And so if we can just be with the light bulb in that moment more, shift back, then the light bulb is just aware. So if we have um, if we have desire, don't direct aversion or desire towards the desire. If we have aversion, don't direct aversion or desire towards the aversion. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Uh, yeah. Here's a, here's a, here one last thing, and then we'll uh, then we, we should go. It's like the awareness is ha- is shining through all the time, and I, I've I've shared this before. As you're looking up here, can you, can you turn off your awareness? Can you not see these two forms if your eyes are working? Just try to not see Adam and me. Can you do it? No. Can you not hear these words? Can you turn off your awareness? The, your awareness is shining. You're not saying, I'm going to really try to to hear these sounds. You can't turn it off. The awareness is happening all by itself. So in the same way, it's, you don't have to manufacture the awareness and you don't even have to take credit for it. Look at my awareness. It's pretty cool. I'm, I'm really pumping it out there. It, it's just happening, shining through you. So it, it makes it so much easier when you realize you don't have to make anything happen. It's just feeling life moving through you. Okay, we should, we should end. So, um, thank you very much. Mm. So simple. <laughs> Hard to believe. Simple but not easy. <laughs> Maybe that's the disclaimer. Not easy, right? It's not easy for me either, so. Thank you, Doug. Proud of you, guy. Yeah. So, um, let's just close with a loving kindness and uh, for a moment delight in the awareness the consciousness that shines through you without you doing anything just feel life as it moves through you and then wish yourself well And appreciate the relative reality of you while life expresses itself through that relative reality. May I see all the goodness inside and express my true nature skillfully.
May I see through confusion and know true happiness and inner peace and share my love well. And sending these thoughts out to all beings in all directions, may all see their true nature come to real peace. May our coming here together be of benefit to ourselves, everyone in our lives, and ripple out to be of benefit to all beings everywhere. Much. Have a great week. See you next week. Thanks, Ed.